Hello and welcome to the 250, the podcast where someone touches me and I dissolve into molecules. I'm Jonathan and with me as always is my co-host Douglas. How are you, Douglas? I'm really good. Who's the someone? Uh, it could be you. Could it? Could it? I mean, like, not, not naming names, but like, if you, if anyone could touch you, like, doesn't necessarily have to be anyone here, but... Ryan Gosling. It's, yeah. If this is your first time tuning into the 250, we've taken a snapshot of IMDb's top 250 movies of all time as of January 2020, and we've begun watching them from number 250 all the way through to number one. In this podcast, we discuss our opinions, our thoughts, and our reactions to the movies within. Today's movie, number 238, is Before Sunset. Two strangers met by chance in Vienna nine years ago, spending an unforgettable night together that ended before sunrise. They meet once again nine years later in Paris, and they have one afternoon to spend time together chatting, philosophising and reflecting on their past, as well as looking toward their future. Uh, Before Sunset is directed by Richard Linklater, and written by Richard Linklater and Kim Cruzan, with with assistance from Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy. Who are the Krizan? two lead actors? I was thinking Kryzan, but like Kim Kar- Kim Kryzan. I don't know. That kind of rolls off the tongue for me, but who knows? So yeah, Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy are our are our uh, lead actors. Yes, yeah, um, Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy. I didn't know that they helped write it, but that makes a lot of sense because um, that seems like an important part given that they are pretty much the only two actors in this film yeah i think i don't uh, want to spoil i bloody bloody stop right there mate ah! i don't want to the 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 thing that really well actually i guess if you watch the film before this no most most people wouldn't have watched the the prequel film to this so hmm. if you uh i don't want to spoil that kind of the thing that makes this film so special because it was kind of fun to find out about it after watching for a while and kind of working it out mm. um, but it is a very conversation heavy film so um, you that makes a lot of sense that uh, the actors played a big part in writing the characters I guess and kind of showing how they would hold themselves and that kind of thing yeah the way they would yeah. depict themselves mm. um, uh, this was a pretty interesting one it was the second in a trilogy, um, which made a lot of sense because uh, the bit at the start, they show a couple of flashbacks to the first film. To the first film, yeah. And I was like, oh, are we going to see this? And then it turns out not being that. And I was like, oh. <laughs> um, I, I 100% expected that. I said that. Um, uh, I watched it with my fiance as well, actually. We, we watched this one together. And... Um, uh, sitting down and um, and going like, I really don't care about what happened before this. I because I was like so caught up in like what was currently happening. I was yeah. like, if they jump back, I'm gonna be really mad. Mm. Which they didn't. Mm. Obviously, I didn't realize it was a trilogy at that point. Neither. So, Neither. So I'm like, these are very like nicely shot scenes of the past. That's kind of interesting. And mm. the way they were shot doesn't seem very flashbacky. It looks like perhaps someone lifted some footage from another film just the way that it was integrated i thought was really clever um just yeah and and that goes for a lot of this film is just the editing i think is really really on point it doesn't you know obviously doesn't need to do anything too flashy because this film is so heavily based in dialogue and writing but just what it does do and the cinematography and everything that is going on here is yeah i found absolutely exquisite 
Hmm. I feel like those flashbacks weren't necessary. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it, it kind of. But I feel like we're getting too analytical for the for the pre spoilers. Yeah, pre spoilers. Yeah, as John said, this is a very conversation heavy movie. So if you're looking for something that is super dialogue-y and uh, has lots of genuinely very interesting uh, philosophical moments and uh, exploration of two characters, this is a movie for you. Absolute cracker for that. And for me, a lot of the time, this movie felt like a play. Like, this movie could ah. easily have been translated through to theatre and could have gone just as well. Obviously, you wouldn't have been able to do... Because uh, the two characters pretty much uh, travel uh, throughout Paris uh, through the period of their conversations throughout the film. Very short film. It only comes in at about an hour and a half, I'm pretty sure, the runtime. Um, uh, no, I think it comes to dead two hours. You reckon? I thought it's it was like, shorter than that. I think it's one hour and like 20 minutes and like 20 seconds or something. Uh, that is not two hours. You said two hours. hours. Sorry. Sorry. 120 minutes is what I meant. Uh, you know, 120 yeah. minutes is two hours. Do you want to continue your thought <laughs> before you were so rudely interrupted? <laughs> An hour and 20 minutes is 80 minutes, Jonathan. It's 80 minutes? Yes. No, it's 80... No. It's 80 minutes. That's that's all it was? 80 minutes? An yeah. hour and 20 minutes? Yeah. Oh, for way longer. In a good way or in okay. a bad way? Oh, I saw an hour and 20 minutes. I think my brain said 120 minutes. Right. Okay. So, you kind of... Okay. You defaulted. It, f- it felt... It, it really... Um, I felt myself kind of very pulled into it yeah. so it felt longer yes mm. but not yeah not in a bad way not like it dragged like there was a lot of shit going on is what it felt like yeah yeah you really need to keep up with the dialogue between the characters that's for sure it's um uh, I tend to it's kind of odd I tend to watch movies with subtitles nowadays if I can even if mm. uh, you know I completely understand everything that's going on and all that jazz I still like to watch it with subtitles just in case because there's sometimes just the occasional bit of dialogue that I might miss or something like that and the subtitles just kind of make sure that I do you know I get everything I guess yeah um yeah no I can get behind that yeah so I'm not sure whether that's dumb bitch baby move for watching stuff with subtitles but uh yeah no, for me it no, just no, it I helps me digest it. it more I suppose As- a lot of people will see subtitles as a distraction, but I think mm. um, with the amount of international media we have consumed, I think yeah, we're pretty, you and I both, yeah, not, we're both used to distracting it. For mm. Us. Mm. I think, I, shit. I mean, you don't want to miss any of the bloody conversation that's filmed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, as you said, everything is it goes along at a pretty chopping pace. As you know, it's got that hour and uh, twenty minute runtime. It's mm. it's got a lot to squeeze in into that hour and twenty minutes, but it doesn't. Nothing feels left out. Nothing feels egregious or kind of um, uh, like it doesn't need to be in there. Everything feels justified, which is what I love about pretty much so far all of the romance movies that we've had in the 250 is everything is so i have genuinely been pretty blown back by these romance films before sunset mm. in the mood for love uh we've got the princess bride coming up uh, just, all of these movies are just exquisite and i i think for some reason in my head i ranked them lower purely because they were of the romance genre and yeah 
that feels so disingenuous now. Now that I have actually taken the time to watch these and figure out what they're all about, I'm like, wow, it's... I feel kind of bad for writing off uh, just <laughs> romance movies and stuff like that at face value. It, it's it's totally that thing where where when I first started and I thought that this would be a chore and it's like, no, they're good movies. Yeah, it's right. The, it's the top two hundred and fifty of they're all good time. Movies, yeah, like- we are literally just watching good movies. So like, or you know, quite some you know, subjectively uh, good movies. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, as far as general audiences are concerned, these yeah, are good films. These so. are the films that, uh, uh, yeah, do uh, the bestest. Yeah, the 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 film wankers from IMDb, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as I think, would you uh, would you bloody recommend this film, Douglas? Absolutely, I would. This is a masterclass in acting. Um, I think it's an exquisite example of how to do dialogue between two characters and make it so hyper realistic that. It just feels like these two are just having a conversation and it just so happens that there's a camera on them. And Mm. that is the best kind of acting. Mm -hmm. The best kind of acting is when it doesn't feel like they're acting. And these two nail that. Uh, Julie Delpy and Ethan Hawke, I give absolutely biggest kudos to them as actors and for what they accomplish in this movie as well as hopefully um this trilogy this movie has got me really interested in the rest of the trilogy and the uh first movie in this trilogy before sunrise appears way later in the 250 up around the 150 odd mark i think it is so we're going to be revisiting this trilogy much 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 later on but i'm yeah really looking forward to uh, getting to that point and uh, seeing more of these two. Pretty excited. I feel like um, what's the last one called again? Uh, before midnight. Before midnight. I feel like we're gonna have to watch that. Yeah. Just to that's that's just not in the two fifty. So yeah, I'm definitely I want to check that one out. That one's set nine years after before sunset. I'm pretty sure. So yes. Yeah. Yes. So there's a nine year gap between each film. Yeah. Both like real time nine year gap, which is kind of cool as yeah. well. I like that. Because it gives the chance for the actors to actually grow and everything as well. It's kind of cool. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I also had a really good time with it. I think, uh, especially because that's short. Like, fuck it. Like, what are you doing? Mm. Just watch the fucking thing. Mm. It's an hour and 20 minutes. Mm. It's played literally it, the length of speed, like... It's an hour. Yeah. It's literally like the length of a, a Game of Thrones episode or a Breaking Bad episode. Yeah. It's, yeah. You can smash this puppy out in no time flat and you will not regret it i can assure you if you're into drama in the romance chuck it yep chuck a kill some find some find something to kill an hour and 20 minutes and then uh uh, this bad boy probably just go for it Mm -hmm. and then chuck this on background here yep no highly recommended Mm. good time uh, uh, spoilers? Warrantate spoilers? You got any more? Absolutely not. Let's just hit this bad boy nice and hard. Fucking hit me with Here that air Just sound me with that. Okay, maybe not. Uh, sound you. <laughs> very good. Uh, don't Google sounding, people. Um, I, I, think, I think that was a good cover. I think we hid the fact that... The thing that... Uh, I, yeah, I didn't know. Did you know about the kind of structure of the film before you... Uh, what do you mean? The the fact that the whole film is just a fucking convers- like extended no, conversation. No, I had no idea. Yeah, no, me neither. And I, I really, really enjoy that because you get about maybe 20 minutes in mm. and you're like, I think I can see. I think something's going on here. About at the 20 minute is- mark, they hit the cafe. So... Yeah, oh, it's because... 
it's because when they're walking to the cafe, that whole like that's not cut at all. They just mm, walk there just and they just had this conversation. Gigantic the the fucking gigantic take from him coming out of the bookstore, meeting her at the corner of the street, and then walking like pretty much the whole way down the street is just all one take. That yeah. fucking blows my mind, man. Like if they missed one line, and because it's so hyper realistic. If they flub for like one second and it it loses that realism, fucking takes gone. You got to go back. You got to yeah. redo the whole fucking thing. Ugh, mm. exquisite. I so mean, the good. film the film isn't shot all in one take. I didn't no. really no, no, have no, no, a problem no. with that. It 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 would have been nice, mm. but it's definitely not a detriment to the film that they didn't do that. Mm. And I think uh, in fucking Year of Our Lord twenty twenty, we see a lot of. Um, <laughs> We see a lot of people, a lot of films making a big fucking deal about, about single doing one take, take stuff. Shots, yeah. Standard uh, takes. And 1917 stuff, and like, is the thing that comes to mind uh, most recently for doing the, the one take miracle, quote unquote, uh, with Sam Mendes at helm. And a lot of a lot of editing in the middle, um, mm. which which is subtle editing to make it look like it's one take. Yeah, it feels it feels um, a bit gimmicky at this point. Yeah. So mm. I wasn't really fussed that I, the thought came to my mind and I was like. It was dismissed as quickly as it arose. I think, I guess, I guess, uh, while we're talking about cinematography and stuff, the the thing that struck me first, unfortunately, this film is fucking hideous. I don't know what the fuck they were doing (laughs) with that color grading. Yeah. I wonder if it was recorded on, like, magnetic tape. The budget for this film was less than the budget they had for Before Sunrise. Oh. So, uh, I'll get into that in the trivia section, but yeah, this they they had a real trouble putting this film together. Right, okay. Um, I wonder um do you have any do you know anything about the budget? I do. Do you want me to do you want me to cover that now? No, no, sorry, not the budget. The uh the amount of time it took to film. Oh, uh shooting was 15 days. I wonder how much. I wonder if they had to like Surely they had to, like, partition areas off for filming and stuff. Something like that. Mm, No, there's a lot of quote-unquote extras in the film that just feel like literally people just walking past and they it felt kind of... It had that indie student film kind of vibe. You know what I mean? Yeah. I did did notice a lot of the extras and they did seem very, very convincing. Mm. Like, there's one scene where they're just walking down a street and there's a guy just, like, spraying water onto the... I think he's washing the road but he's just sitting there with like a hose yeah yeah and like half pressure just pouring yeah, water just, onto the street like, yeah. that's a bit of a weird thing to yeah. do but live but your I life think it mate being a bit weird sort of made it feel a bit more real because yeah there's always like you you can't go for like this like perfectly um uh like clean prim and proper paris yeah prim and proper paris that, that would not seem realistic you just need to pop some a couple of people in there. They're doing some weird shit every now and then. <laughs> and then everyone goes, "Oh or yeah, that like, seems legit." <laughs> yeah, exactly. A hundred percent, though. Like that's that's the difference. Mm. Um, uh, no, I, I, it, it, it was a shame, but I got over it pretty quick as well. It was just like it, it was very, like the color grading was really drab, hmm. and it almost felt like there was fucking Vaseline on the lens. Like the lens was like a little, like not very sharp. Mm. Mm. Um, it was it was yeah, occasionally odd. a little bit blurred, but maybe that was a decision by them to kind of make it like more maybe. dreamy. Who more knows? Dream, more dreamlike, um, know, potentially. But uh, 
the thing that immediately caught me with cinematography, you know the intro, and it shows all those little landscape shots, and kind of the editing is like kind of in sync with the music and everything. I have completely forgotten about that. Really? Well, all of those... I can't recall that at all. All of those <laughs> little landscapey shots are the backdrops for where they walk and where they go in the film. Ah, And okay. I found that so fucking clever because, like, that is a way of establishing the setting but not just tossing it away and going, like, oh, yeah, look at how pretty fucking Paris is, whoopty bloody do. It's actually a way of uh, acclimatising your audience to the setting but then also getting your characters moving through that setting and then having your audience go, this feels familiar. Why does this feel familiar, you know? Because you've already mm. seen it, and then that immediately makes you feel comfortable and aware of everything that's going on. Everything feels safe, you know what I mean? Yeah. You don't feel like these characters are in danger or that, you know, they're in, uh, they're lost or anything like that. Um, especially given yeah, um, okay. Celine's character, you know, she's Parisian herself, so... Um, you know, she knows the city and everything. And I love the bits where, like, um, they kind of stop mid-conversation when they're at, like, a kind of like a an intersection or something. And they're, you know, Ethan's uh, character is like, you know, we're going up here. And then she's like, yeah, 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 we're going up this way. You know, that, like, that adds that next level of realism on top of it. Yeah. Because rather yeah. than them having a conversation and then robotically, oh, we are going up these stairs because I know that we have to go up these stairs because I am an actor and my director told me to go up these stairs his character wouldn't know to go up those fucking stairs. So he has to <laughs> ask her to go, do we go up these stairs? And she goes, yes, that like fucking acting 101, baby. These guys are nailing it. <laughs> Bloody excellent. Those little conversation bits made them... Little. There's, there's so much of it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, but it's there are small things, but they're mean. just, it, you know, they're everywhere. And that's kind of, it builds into this big convincing picture. The, um... Uh, they talk over each other a bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is very much... Uh, what, what other film were they looking at? Where you you get, you know, real people talk over each other. They um and ah. They talk past each other. Mm. Um, which which this does a bunch of. Um, they... It's... I... I... I, I Sorry, I <laughs> no. It's, it, I was just so fucking amazed by how convincing the performance is. It is so hyper realistic, and I I tried to express that in the intro before, just how incredibly realistic this feels, and that is just full credit, I think, to Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy, and as well as Richard Linklater and um Kim Kim Kryzan, Kim Krizan. Um, for their for their writing chops, and then Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy both just delivering on their acting, like they fucking work for this movie. And mm. their um something that I came across when um looking at some uh, other uh, reviews for this film was that uh, in comparison to Before Sunrise, uh, the the difference between these two films is the level of maturity, right? And I think that is going to be really interesting to see when we revisit this trilogy and we watch Before Sunrise because we are going to see pretty much a completely different version of these characters. Yeah, I guess so. We've seen them at the midpoint, technically, and we've seen them in this kind of 30-something 
uh, yeah, like messy, early 30s. kind of, they're upset with their life. They, they've made lots of horrible decisions with in their love life and, you know, just general life decisions. And yeah, it's just, it's so interesting to see. And having read that, I could totally pick it up and be like, I can get, I can see the level of maturity in them and how their conversations flow and everything, you know, like when they first meet as, you know, it feels so real in that a 30 something meeting another 30 something that they haven't met in, you know, a decade or whatever. And they're doing the small talk. First thing to come to mind is uh, current news, current topics. So, uh, you know, Mm. uh, economy and uh, eco uh, preservation, which is, you know, uh, Celine's whole, um, I wouldn't say shtick, yeah, but you know what I mean. Shtick. Um, and uh, you know, what are you doing? What am I doing? You know, blah 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 blah. It all that all feels so incredibly just grounded, and I love it. I'm just envious of them, their ability to keep a conversation going for a full hour and twenty minutes. <laughs> God damn! I wish I, I think could that's do the that. Most unrealistic part yeah. of the film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I did like, um, and I wonder if this comes up in the previous film as well, but Julie's character, she, because she's French, she will take a lot of the things that, so what are the fucking characters' names again? I wrote these down. Celine and Jesse. Celine and Jesse. Sometimes Jesse will say a joke and Celine will take it seriously. It happens a couple of times because of this like little language barrier. Uh, I thought that was quite cute. I love their banter. Their banter is so fucking adorable and it makes those characters so like good. immediately likable and you can see the pre-established kind of relationship. Oh, we should have said back in the intro, I don't think you need to... Obviously, we've watched this and we haven't seen Before Sunrise. I don't think you need to. I think you can drop in in Before Sunset and you don't have to see Before Sunrise. You you get... Like, I, that's the thing. I feel like those flashbacks weren't even necessary. I think yeah. you, the way they talk, you can pick up what was going on pretty quickly. Mm. Even so, it was kind of nice to get an image of Celine as who she was in those younger years and then how she looks now. Because otherwise, if we didn't have those flashbacks and then when they cut to Celine like, standing in the corner and Jesse, like, freaking the fuck out, oh, I guess you could kind of piece two and two together from his book and everything. But I liked him doing, like, the the cutaway to those flashbacks and then his, like, quote-unquote narration over the top of it. Yeah. Like, they kept the audio from what is happening in real time but then had those flashbacks. I really liked that. I thought that was a really good editing choice. I feel like that would have taken... It takes you out a little bit, I I felt. Sure. Because if you take those flashbacks out, the film is just shot extremely realistically the whole way through. Mm. There's no weird editing in between or anything. There's only a couple of situations where... The characters aren't directly visible and you can still hear them talking like when they're in the car or when they come out of the cafe mm. and they like turn around that like frosted window. window. Yeah. Um, which I think still works perfectly fine. Because mm, that's all one nice big smooth take of them getting up out of the chairs, him putting the money down, them getting their coats, going outside, round the corner, out the window. Yeah. Do you want to just harp on for the next 35 minutes about how they should have taken those... Uh... <laughs> I'm getting very tied up about the these, flashbacks. these fucking... <laughs> Flashback. I found the way that this film was structured really fun and really interesting mm. because from the outset, it doesn't look like, you know, an average film is very easy to separate into acts. 
and go like, okay, this is the introduction, and then this is where um, the complication appears, mm. and then the climax um, point of the uh, film, and then the, the yeah, cold, yeah. So and, they're like, mm. they think everything's lost, and then they push through the problem, mm. and then you kind of conclude. And from the outset, if you don't think about it too much, this film doesn't really look like it has that. It's just this kind of fun thing to watch and it's just a conversation <laughs> but when you sit down you can start to pick it pretty quickly it actually has were you standing up pretty... for this film yes <laughs> i always stand up to watch films <laughs> it's like um what dumb fucking <laughs> <laughs> sorry i couldn't help it when you're just like when you i was just sort of imagining you like when you you're sit down i was like i just imagine you standing up and you're like yes this is an interesting film and then you sit down and you're like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> the blood's rushed back into my body and i now understand <laughs> um sorry the film uh i like writing wise how the film puts uh an immediate pressure on it because otherwise the film would kind of feel a bit uh meandering i guess mm. but they they go from the start it's like you gotta be you gotta at be on the airport that plane. by 7 15 yeah yeah i don't know if i actually say what the time is when he leaves but they're like you you got this time restriction right yeah you can go have coffee with your friend but you need to be back on this plane because you got to and at that point in time they don't tell you that he's married but it's like you mm. need to get out of here mm. Which I think, yeah, gives a very much needed uh, yeah, kind of, level of uh, re- not, restriction on yeah, that. Yeah, not urgency, but a level of like, it's you, sort of a level you of want urgency. them to, to have their conversation and to obviously iron things out in the period that they have. And then, you know, they always, they reach these little checkpoints throughout the film where yeah. they're like, checkpoint, this is the moment where we have to split ways and go away. And they always have the, oh, well, we'll just go over here and we'll just do this, you know? And I think that is incredibly yeah. relatable. I think if you have that one person, it may not be a love interest. It might just be a friend that you just love spending time with and you would just do anything to be able to spend more time with them and keep talking to them. So you always make up all these little silly excuses to continue talking to them and, you know, hanging out with them. I think that is incredibly relatable. It was amazingly cute. Yeah, yeah. And just you you can tell when they reach those checkpoints and you can see in their faces that they're like, oh, fuck, this is the moment. And then like, uh, get in the car. <laughs> yeah. you. I, I got a bit stressed out watching that. I was just like, oh, God, they're going to go fucking get off the boat soon. Yeah. And I'm like, they're going to, he's going to drop <laughs> off at a house soon. Your, your like t- uh, time management brain is going like, yeah. you've been sitting here talking for 20 <laughs> minutes, the plane leaves in like an hour. <laughs> Um, uh, I, I if you're like in event how- management, don't watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, at the start of the film, he's got his whole thing with the book and the, the guy goes like, did they get back together? And then he talks about like, oh, I think that's kind of the point of the story is you don't tell everything. And like that conclusion is kind of up to you. Um, and I, um, as Four soon as I saw that, I was like, yeah, I was just like, this is going to come up. I know yeah. this is going to come yeah. up and it's going to like. It's going to be a not 100% clear ending. Mm. Um, uh, Lo and behold. Which, and it was, it was, I mean, you could kind of. Yeah, you could, yeah, yeah. You going. know he's going to miss yeah. the plane, but like, yeah. Um, it, it means that you can't pick that before it. It's like right up to the end, you're like, what's, is he going to? Hmm. Mm. But there's that whole question of 
at the start, especially as someone who hasn't watched the film, that question of like what their past is uh, was kind of quite interesting and it kind of kept you going mm. for a little bit. Yeah. And this first act as they're kind of walking towards the cafe, or I would define that as like the first act, is like a very much an introduction. Yeah. Where you're kind of, once again, someone who hasn't watched a previous film, um, you're kind of picking up what's going on in their lives. Um, you're starting to get a little bit of a taste of what happened previously and you get to see them start to kind of build the, the character as it were. So they, they kind of put up these little facades or whatever. Mm. I, I, I always say facade too much in these fucking podcasts, <laughs> um, but they're facades yeah. and both of them, they joke about it. They're like, oh, what happened after... Uh, we didn't meet up in Vienna, yeah, yeah. and um, and he goes, uh, Jesse goes, um, uh, oh, you know, my life's been downhill from there, ha 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 ha, which is like actually the truth, yeah. but he's like kind of p- passing off as Playing a joke. It off, yeah. Um, I thought I thought uh, Jesse was a very very relatable character. Um, I saw myself mm. a lot in Jesse, in that mm. you know he kind of. Uh, he's got a lot of those defense mechanism things going on and being around someone that you loved and, you know, you're having that conversation with them and that dialogue, you can't help but feel that little bit kind of tense and kind of just like, oh, fuck, I need to, like, not make a wrong move. Um, Even though, like, the other party might not care at all. You know, they're just, like, totally chill. Everything's fine. But there's still that level of prior history that you can't escape. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah, really clever. There's also obviously this, you know, she's feeling more or less the same thing. And mm. you kind of start to pick up on that as you go. But she also has this like throwaway line about like, oh, seeing myself through your eyes is disturbing and that kind of thing. Yeah, so, yeah. So the film uses this introduction to and you might be able to start to pick that something's a little off but the characters seem more or less genuine and just very happy to see each other at the start and then that starts to rotate through to the second act um where you go okay they didn't get back together you kind of worked out what's going on with them um and then the conversation then becomes well are they going to get back together this time? And they have, uh, they start basically overtly flirting with each other. The conversation keeps going back to, to like their sex. love lives and yeah. their yeah. sex lives. And um, she talks about, well, they talk about how each other both look while they're in the cafe. Yeah. And she lets her hair down. You start to, does it, it, does it stay down for the rest of the film? Yeah. Yeah. It does. Interesting. You start to, kind of you know the film is basically hinting to you that this is not off the cards anymore um and that kind of gets your brain going to like okay where are they going to go with this now Mm. like where's the end goal Mm. you then they come out of the cafe and they start walking down uh let me look at the oh they just walk around they walk to the bench that's right yeah they they walk around oh that's where they go up the stairs and stuff yeah Yeah. uh there's just a bit more on that stuff they're pretty overtly flirting with each other Mm, um they've got that that conversation is just like, what would you do if we were going to die tomorrow? And he says, wildly fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Philosophy after between wild sessions of fucking. fucking that's like, it. Yeah. Um, it's very, <laughs> it's, 
Uh, whatever, it's 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 fine to listen to, but it's like, mm, okay, guys. Yeah. Going right for it now, yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah. But then the film really goes like, okay, you can see this, that they're starting to warm back up to each other. Yeah. And kind of pick where this is going. Here's a fun little complication for you. He's married now and he has a kid. Yeah. And you're like, ah, oh, fuck. Fucking Christ. And then, like, she has a boyfriend as well. And then that kind of yeah. that that happens as they're leaving the bench, and that really that's a good point to make that realization for the audience, because that throws a spanner in the audience's head, and then kind of goes, mm. oh well, fuck, then they can't be together. So what the hell's going to happen now? You know, it's yeah, I really liked that. I think the the strongest points of this film for me, I can think of two, and uh, the first one being the car conversation. Because yep. that whole fucking... The tone completely changes in the car. That's rough. Celine having a full breakdown, like, borderline anxiety attack. And, you know, starting to break down into tears and everything. And then she kind of calms down. But then Ethan breaks down as well, like, very shortly after when he talks about his marriage and everything and his son. And So that's very much like the next act yeah, is when they... Yeah, that, that for me is the climax of the movie. Because you get mm. both of these characters reaching their emotional intensity that they've been gradually building up to. And you have them in this tight, confined, secluded space where they're both allowing themselves to be that vulnerable around each other. And except mm. for Dave. poor fucking Philippe in the front seat who's checking the rearview mirror going, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hello. The the characters have all had sort of like their their facade has kind of continued to kind of get built upon and Jesse's kind of convincing himself love is a choice, love is something that you just do to make other people's lives better. Yeah. Um, and the kind of romance of it is dead mm. and he's You get someone pregnant, you marry them, that was that's the the stigma. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's telling himself that that's the better choice and that the romance they had was kind of almost like a youthful kind of thing mm. that that they don't need to do anymore and Celine is telling herself you know uh everything worked out for the best basically mm, like I'm still in love she would have liked but like yeah she would have liked a different way but but you know the past the past and you can't do anything about yeah, it yeah. which of course completely fucking falls apart in that car yeah, scene yeah exactly which is beautiful to see. Oh, God. That's so fucking rough, but, like, in a the, good way. The bit where Jesse starts breaking down and she reaches over to go head pat him. Oh, my but God. But then he turns back around and her hand like, retracts. That shit. That's, like... Fucking... <laughs> oh, that made me cry. Like, the... That, like, second. Yeah. That second, you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. Why is why is that in particular that, getting me yeah, so hard? That that's fucking incredible. The bit that breaks me. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think it's just... I think it's that innate thing where you see someone that you love in pain and you know you really really want to help but you know that if you try and help them right now dependent on the person obviously you're only going to be doing more harm than good yeah it can make things worse and I feel like Celine in that you know it's so gorgeous in that like second of human instinct to reach out and try and help him she makes that judgment call and goes, no, I can't help him right now. Like, I need to let him do his thing because Jesse mm. just let Celine do her thing and just completely, you know, break down and get it all out. Um, mm, mm. And they, they have that realisation that that's what they need. And then the second bit that was the strongest for me was 
where they're going up to the apartment and they're walking up the stairs and it is yep. dead fucking quiet. They don't yeah. say a goddamn word. They just it's the occasional glance to one another, but I think for a movie that is all dialogue, the moments where there is no dialogue is so powerful. Yeah. Because it is striking. just their emotion and it is it's almost just their eyes, you know. Um and that fucking cat. Can we talk about the cat? What a cutie. The cat? Oh, yeah. The cat. It's so cute. You can hear it when they're going up the staircase. He starts purring. And I was like, oh, oh buddy. I love the um, the family from the apartment block where they're out, like, they're, like, barbecuing out in yeah, the, yeah. the courtyard. Mm. And they're, like, chatting to each other in French. Yeah. And you're like, I don't know what's going on right yeah. now, but okay. And that kind of puts you in Ethan's shoes puts the audience i guess yeah, it for, a um a, a western audience in in ethan uh in jesse's mm. shoes i should say um to go like yeah you could see him looking around and kind of going oh, i don't know what's happening but i'm here for the ride <laughs> yeah it's like oh i would like some of that it looks delicious yeah, oh, yummy. Yeah. <laughs> could i have some oh, little yummy, yummy, yummy. <laughs> it's just like fuck mm. you Celine, and he starts walking around like <laughs> Give me that sausage sizzle. <laughs> this last hour and ten minutes, just gonna throw it all away for that hot sausage. Oh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. You go upstairs with your fucking cat. I'm gonna eat some sausages. And he gets in the car and he uh, he flies back to his shitty marriage. He was playing the long game. Yeah, he <laughs> was in it for the sausage sizzle. What a plot twist! And the whole scene in the apartment is like just the cutest thing yeah, in the, the world. Song. The, the song. The song. The song. Oh, oh my god <laughs> <laughs> Oh god it her voice is gorgeous Yeah fuck shit Oh wow just so serene and beautiful It's this situation that lets both of them just emote purely mm. and like there's like the bit where she reaches the end of like the lyrics and she's just kind of making a face while she does the yeah, like, like strumming the, kind on the of guitar like, oh, fuck kind of face <laughs> She's like, oh, this is a bit my body and awkward. Then, and then Jesse like tries to help her out and like kind of let her build her defenses back up a little bit by going like, "You just slot every guy's name into that song, don't you?" Like, and then that yeah. kind of jokingly lets her relax again. I fucking love that shit. That's so gorgeous. His face the whole time, where you can kind of he recognizes like, oh fuck. It's this fucking me. songs about me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, God. It sets off those fucking alarm bells. Yeah. But, like, I think uh, in terms of editing, I think it's so good that they, whenever someone is talking, they don't just fucking stick the camera on them and then just wait until they finish talking and then bounce over to the other person talking. Mm. In those dialogue bits and when they start to have monologues and things like that, it cuts over to the other person listening. And I think that's really important because you get to see their facial reactions to what is happening. And Yeah. Which is so important. The the cafe scene where that's a that's where Celine gets a lot of her dialogue out is in the cafe. And but there is still so much screen time given to Ethan Hawke and just the way he's looking at her, I cannot describe it but it is just like it is the face of someone who is just so enamored with another human being that he hasn't seen in years and years and years and 
it's she's here she's in front of him and it's that face of like i just cannot believe this is real i'm soaking up every single possible second that i can and i have no fucking idea how he manages to portray that much emotion in his face but my god it is just so beautiful bloody props to him oh props to him man yeah no it's it's so important to that first part of the film mm. where it's just like yeah no this is this is happening guys everyone who's watching oh, it's just so sweet we're, but we're gonna tell you without telling yeah, you yeah 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 so much like uh, show no, uh, don't tell kind of shtick mm. um, in terms mm. of their as I I think I've said this in maybe another episode but I think acting is as much reacting as it is yeah. doing the words and there is a lot of reacting in this uh, film in because it is a dialogue. You know, you when you're having a dialogue with another person, it's good to actually react and it's realistic to react <laughs> rather than just going, that is very interesting. Thank you for this information. <laughs> um, it's like I'm having a dialogue with you right now and you react to me. Wow. And I'm reacting. Right now. Bitch. Rea- oh. <laughs> And I reacted to that. You see? We're doing it right now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, Douglas. Yes, hello. Do you have any trivia for us? I do. I'm going to stop fucking bitching about how good the acting is, I promise. <laughs> it's, it's. I mean, look, let's be honest. It's more or less all there is to talk about with this film. Yeah, but yeah. it's, yeah, masterclass in acting. Um, at one point, Jesse reveals that his son's name is Henry and that he is four years old. When Jesse and Celine get on the boat, he tells the driver to pick him up at Henry Cut, which translates to Henry IV or Henry Fourth. Huh. I picked that up as well because I remember. That's just that's just uh. That's just a yeah. Just a weird little a little kid connection. Bit, I guess, a yeah, yeah, yeah. I picked that up and hmm. I was like, huh. Um, as I stated earlier, um, producer Anne Walker McBay worked with less time and less money than she had on Before Sunrise, but still brought the film in on time and on budget. So I did a little bit of research on this because IMDb has contrary numbers to that uh, little trivia tidbit. And I did some research on the trivia tidbit as well to make sure that it was actually true. Um, The Before Sunrise budget was $2.5 million and the Before Sunset budget was $2 million. Uh, okay. Contrary to INDB, INDB says that the Before Sunset budget was $2.7 million, which is incorrect. Um, it was actually $2 million. Oh. So, Okay. Because there is, there is stuff with budget. It's normally not that set in stone, and there's stuff like marketing plays into it and things like that. Mm. So, uh, it, it's not always... It's, it's kind of hard to say one certain number. But yeah. It was, it was less is still... It's a important fucking and by like, like by a pretty reasonable amount to do yeah. to not to even think about doing a sequel with less than a budget than what you had for the first one is like mm. a, it's such a risk from like a producer's perspective you know what i mean yeah immensely yeah like ugh, yeah mad props to to the whole crew on this film like they yeah amazing um the film is notable for essentially taking place in real time, i.e. the time elapsed in the story is the runtime of the film. In the fast-changing temperate uh, Paris climate, this created challenges from the cinematographer Lee Daniel to match the colour and intensity of the skies and ambient light from scene to scene. So that might be where your uh, colour grading issue comes in. 
Um, Potentially. The scenes were mostly shot in sequence as they were still developing the screenplay. So um, it sounds a bit like, what was the other movie that we watched where they kind of... They developed the screenplay as oh, they went. Um, was Paris, it, Texas. Par- yeah, it was Paris, Texas. Um, yeah, it sounds like a similar kind of deal. And I think that's why they give credit to Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy is because I would say the four of those guys would have just got together in a room um, and just gone, okay, well, not even a room, just on set and gone, okay, yeah. now where do we go? And um, obviously... Uh, Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy would know those characters so well that they would go, mm, why don't we take it this way, you know? Uh, I wonder I wonder how much of their conversation was ad-libbed. Because it, it feels so genuine. Surely there has I to feel, be... I feel like you can't have a very rigorous, like, this is exactly the words you're going to say yeah. and this is when you say, um, type thing. Mm, like you, you can't otherwise be that just, precise. There's no way you do it without it sounding it robotic. Would, yeah. It would sound robotic, yeah. Mm. So, um, The story Celine tells about being advised to buy a gun by a policeman is actually a true story out of Julie Delpy's life. <laughs> yeah, that was fucked. <laughs> yeah. Um, this film was made nine years after the first film, which is the length of time between the events in each story. I think we touched mm-hmm. on that earlier. Uh, mm-hmm. In Before Sunrise, Celine says she believes in reincarnation. When Jesse brings it up here, she says she thinks it's silly. Oh, Again, okay. that brings me back to the level of maturity, I think. Right, you, okay. When yeah, you're young, you, you know, and the world's your oyster and you're optimistic, you're going to believe in things like reincarnation and things like that. But then you get older, you get a little bit more cynical, pessimistic. You're naturally going to go, oh, yeah, reincarnation. Fucking nah, don't buy it. Hmm. Hmm. For some people, you know. Um, my partner yeah. believes in uh, reincarnation. It sounds fun. Which I think is... I think, yeah, I can I can get down with the idea of reincarnation, I think. I can't wait to be a cow. Welcome to the 250, now a philosophy podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's your regular Australian Socrates over here. Shooting took a mere 15 days. I believe I touched on that one earlier. Yep. Jesse is in a failing marriage with a woman he married because she had become pregnant. Soon after the film's release, Ethan Hawke's real-life wife, Uma Thurman, whom he had married while she was pregnant with their first child, filed for divorce for adultery. <laughs> Oof. Wow. <laughs> Big yikes. <laughs> That's gnarly. That's fucking wild. When, Holy shit. When art imitates reality. Hmm. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, and last one I have, which is probably the saddest bit of trivia I have ever found on anything for the 250. Um... In the movie, Jesse confesses to Celine that he wrote a book about their meeting nine years before, partially in the hope that she would read it and re-establish contact with him. Like Before Sunrise, this is based on events in director Richard Linklater's own life. He had once spent a night walking and talking around Philadelphia with a woman called Amy in 1989. Though they initially stayed in touch over the telephone, they lost contact eventually. In 1994, Linklater shot Before Sunrise based on his night with Amy. Like Jesse and Before Sunset, Linklater was secretly hoping that Amy had heard of the movie and would show up at the premiere, but she did not. When Before Sunset was released, she did not show up either. Uh, 
It wasn't until 2010, before Linklater started production on the second sequel, Before Midnight, that a friend of Amy, who knew about their story, contacted Linklater to tell him that Amy had died in a motorcycle accident on May 9th, 1994, at the age of 24, a few weeks before he started shooting Before Sunrise. Whoa. Oh, oh woof. <laughs> breaks my fucking heart, man. Fucking hell, all right. Oh. Well, I hope... I, I really well, should have... Maybe I should have fucking led with that one first. We're <laughs> not like... So, Douglas... Wow, what a fucking chippy old bloody podcast, wasn't it? What a great movie. <laughs> oh, God. But no, uh, oh. yeah, obviously, I think that level of realism comes through. And obviously, since uh, Richard Linklater experienced that, you can see that level of genuine kind of longing to be with someone else. That oozes into his work here. Um, You know what? At the start of the film, where he's talking (laughs) about his book, Jesse says, we only... I think he says, well, we only write what we know or something. That whole, like, thing about... Uh-huh. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. That's gnarly. Yeah, man. It's... Yeah. I really, 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 really love this movie. I, I super loved it. I super, super loved it. It was... I mean... I think that's... It, it's, like... It promises, like, not an exciting thing to get, like, worked up about, but just, like... An incredibly realistic, detailed conversation between two real feeling humans um, with everything that that carries with it is just, uh, it's like the aim. I think for for me, it's just because I'm an actor and I think I understand how incredibly difficult it is to pull off something like this that Mm. I can... I just fucking can't help but jizz over just how fucking amazing it is that they did pull it off. Um, mm. And it, it makes me want to disassemble this thing piece by piece and figure out just how they did pull it off. Um, and, yeah, I think, obviously, that's why I just, yeah, love this movie so much. 100%. Really recommended it. And I'm so excited to revisit it later on. Um, yeah, before yeah. sunrise That'll comes in at 196 cool. in the in the list, so it's not too far off. I'm only about 40 no. odd, 40 odd episodes. Only 45, maybe 50. Yeah. That's not too far. It's not too it's far. It's only like a whole year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in terms of when, like, the, the scheduling for the episodes are. <laughs> we'll get there eventually. <laughs> no, it'll be good. I'm really looking forward to, uh, yeah, checking out where this whole this whole thing started. It's going to be nice. Yeah, no. Recommended. Absolutely. Good movie. Mm-hmm. Bloody, if, if you got all this way through, you fucking spoil it for yourself. So, I don't even know I'm talking to you. Yeah, you dikehead. If you found that insult insulting, <laughs> uh, please get back to us on, on our social media. Uh, we have... <laughs> Uh, email uh, 250pod at gmail.com T-W-O-F-I-V-E-O-H-P-O-D at gmail.com you can get in contact with us directly if you want to do that for any reason Um, you can also get in contact with us on YouTube Twitter and Instagram Uh, Instagram is our kind of more um, that's probably the best option Uh, more more stuff comes out on that 
But if you want to listen to all the podcasts on YouTube, if you find that more convenient for whatever reason, you can go ahead and do that. Are they released at the same time on YouTube? They are being released at a sh- uh, until we catch up. They're getting released one every four days, and then they oh, okay, will be cute. released at the same time. Nice. Cool. Because, um, yeah, we only just started uh, up the YouTube thing about... Uh, how many episodes in did we maybe maybe five or six films yeah, yeah so we're just yeah we're playing so, we're doing the catch up game a bit at the moment but then yeah once we're back up uh, that will release at the same time uh, every week which is uh, Tuesday you can also listen to us on some other podcast services if that is your prerogative if you're on Spotify and you're like hmm I'd like something that's more convenient and I don't have to have a screen open to listen to you can check us out on Spotify Apple Podcasts Podcast Addict Pocket Casts Google Home and Amazon Echo uh, and we also have Deezer and Google Podcasts which you forgot that in the last one. Oh wow Oopsie. did we wait we got are a, they we got new ch- or no they're not we just keep forgetting to put them on the template oh really <laughs> oh. <laughs> the notes shit <laughs> <laughs> Um, and last but not least, uh, we are both on Letterboxd, which is a little movie tracking app and lets you, uh, website lets you put, uh, reviews up and stuff like that. Um, I am personally, uh, my account is Upa, that is U-U-U-P-A-H, that's three U's, and Douglas. I am I-E-N-Z-O-K-N-I-G-H-T, that's Yenzo Knight with a K. Uh, Jonathan here writes haikus for his reviews, and I tend to write just mm-hmm. a couple of little paragraphs about, um, yeah, the films that I'm watching for the 250, as well as whatever I'm watching recently. Like, just recently, yeah. I watched The Cabin in the Woods for the first time. I've really wanted to check that what out a good choice. for a long time. Um, I've heard that it, you know, it flips the horror genre on its head, and uh, it certainly does. So, if you're into horror, go check out Cabin in the Woods. That's a, yeah, ripper of a good movie. It's it's really nice. Short it's a, it's a bit of a comedy as well. Yeah, yeah. It's not um, it's not crazy. It's not gonna. No, no, the, no, no, the no, no, no. horror the horror stuff in there is not the. As far as horror yeah. goes, the horror in Cabin in the Woods is pretty light. <laughs> yeah, it's very kind of predictable because you got the comedy yeah. to offset it as well. So yeah, mm. um, yeah, no, good movie. And this was a good movie. They're both actually both Cabin in the Woods and this movie are very short. Uh, Cabin in the Woods is about an hour and a half, and then yeah, this is uh. Hour and twenty. This An is hour potentially and twenty minutes, had. Jonathan. Did I say one hundred and twenty again? No, I'm just, I'm oh, okay, just, I'm just um, fucking yanking your chain. Just fucking with me. Tune into the next two five zero episode where we teach John math. <laughs> Tune into uh, the episodes two two episodes from now where we watch a film that is five hours and thirty minutes long. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll freak out about that more on the next episode when it's when it's when more it's real and yeah, it's, when it's prevalent, when it's closer. Yeah. Good fucking god Christ. um cool we can do it uh, we well. can get there uh thank you for tuning into the 250 and as for as 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 full ways we look forward to f- as full ways as full ways we, we look forward to ping you real soon <laughs> see, yeah. see you later guys bye oh my god <laughs> we look forward to ping you real soon i want to die <laughs> <laughs>